And let's worship the Lord together through song as we sing out a great old hymn, And Can It Be. Welcome to First Baptist Church of Wixom. Thanks for joining us for worship today. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. The Truth Tracker Grand Prix is coming up on Saturday, March 9th from 12 to 3 p.m. In preparation for the event, there will be a pit party on Saturday, February 24th from 6 to 8 p.m. where you can use various tools and equipment to make your racing vehicle with the help of our volunteers. This event is open to all children, teens, and adults. And we encourage you to invite your friends or family to participate in both events. If you have any further questions, please see Mike Murdy or Johnny Martin after the morning gathering. 
On Thursday, February 15th, we are offering a free Kids Night In here at the church. You can drop your kids off at the Northside Daycare entrance after 5 p.m., and we will provide pizza and a lot of fun for your children. Please pick them up no later than 8, as it is a school night. This is only for children 6th grade and younger, and families must sign up in the link today if they want to participate. If you have completed CPP training and are interested in volunteering, please see me after the morning worship gathering today. There is a brief meeting today in the Teen Chapel for anyone interested in the Peru missions trip being planned for the end of May. Please join us for this meeting right after our worship gathering if you are already signed up for this trip or if you are interested in learning more. Community groups continue tonight at 5 p.m. This is a time change from our normal 6 p.m. schedule and will switch back starting next Sunday evening. If you are not yet connected with the Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. All FBC attenders are encouraged to sign up for one-on-one discipleship. This is a great opportunity for you to partner with someone in the church and push each other closer to Christ. Books and information are available in the link. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you would like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more info about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. everyone. It is great to see you this morning. I want to mention just a couple of additional announcements. You may have noticed in the last couple of weeks that seating is getting a little bit more challenging in the auditorium, and that's a good thing, but we want to make sure we have plenty of seats for guests that sometimes come in late. So we just want to encourage you with a couple of things. If you're willing to Except for communion services, the front row is available, so the high dollar seats up here in the front, you can come and join um, and sit up here in the front. We will make space for the worship team, but we'd love to have you use that row. And then just encourage you to try to use no more than one seat buffer between families. Now, you're not required to have a buffer, but most of us feel like we need at least a seat. Um, And if you can do that with fewer seats and to squeeze together, that will help those that arrive late. Also, it was mentioned to me that last week there was a little bit of trouble finding parking. And if you're not familiar, you can drive around the backside of the gymnasium to the north parking lot, and there's some extra stalls over there. And so if you're able and willing to walk a little ways um, you can park all the way down by the dentist office still in our parking lot if weather is bad we'll open up the north end of the building and make sure that you can get in out of the weather as quickly as possible but we want to use the entire parking lot that's especially true 
this coming week and for a few weeks after that, the steel for the bus facility is going to be delivered, Lord willing, this weekend on Friday, meaning about half of the back parking lot will be taken up with steel laying down and um, we'll need to be very careful with our parking spaces and use every single one of them. If we need to use the driveway in the back, we'll have somebody out there helping with parking out there. Uh, we do encourage you, if you can, perhaps, to, uh, if the weather allows, to walk or carpool. Uh, we, I know we have a family that lives one block away from the church that brings three cars, so next week I'll be walking. <laughs> I will try to set the example for the rest of you all. Um, but we want to try to save parking spaces, especially next week and then maybe for two or three weeks after that because we will be a little bit limited. If you run out, don't leave. Just keep driving around until somebody helps you and we will make sure to find a space to park your vehicle safely. Also want to remind you, this was on the announcement uh, video, but just a clarification. Tonight, community groups meet at 5 o'clock. Starting next week, they continue to meet, but they're at 6 o'clock. And I think I confused some of you with my email. We're not done with community groups after tonight. It's just that they're moving from 5 to 6 o'clock next week, 5 o'clock tonight. So glad to have you here. Looking forward to a great service as we worship the Lord together. And we focus on his ability to forgive sin and to heal. A great passage of scripture we're going to look at here in just a few minutes after we sing a little bit more. But let's pray together as we get started. Father, we thank you for the beautiful day. We thank you for the comfortable room that we can gather in together and we thank you that we can do this on a weekly basis to get together with our friends and lift up Jesus and think about his truth. So please help us to worship you today in spirit and in truth. Lord, remove sin uh, that we're dealing with. Would you forgive us and clean us today? Would you remove distractions from this room and distractions from our mind that keep us from worship And would you help us to use this time together well? We want to glorify your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Let's stand together and continue to worship through song as we sing out his amazing grace. Grace unmeasured. Grace unmeasured, vast and free, that knew me from eternity, that called me before my birth to bring you glory on this earth. Grace amazing, pure and deep, that saw me in my misery, that took my curse and owned my blame, so I could bear your righteous name. Draw me to life. Grace, close me with power to do what is right. Grace, lead me to heaven where I'll see your face and never cease to thank you for your grace. Grace abounding strong. Selfish pride to love the cross on which you die. Grace unending all my days, you'll give. 
Amen. Thank you for that. That is the message today that we want you to go home with is to know for sure that Jesus loves you individually, personally, sacrificially. Jesus loves you. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Mark chapter one, if you would, please. The Gospel of Mark and chapter number one. We've been going through a series of messages that is intended to follow the life of Jesus chronologically. And over the last three weeks, we've considered three different types of people. And no doubt you related at least somewhat with one of these types of people. A few weeks ago, Holden was preaching out of John chapter three and reminded us of the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus represents religious people, religious people who suspect there's more that wonder if maybe the main point is getting buried below religious activity. The main point of a right relationship with God is somehow getting lost in religion. Maybe you relate with Nicodemus. Maybe a couple of weeks ago we heard from Johnny and John chapter 4, as we were considering the woman at the well, she was a self-diagnosed sinner, hoping there was a permanent solution, wondering if Jesus might be the answer that her life was looking for. Maybe you relate with the message last week as we were considering Jesus calling the disciples and you would say, Brad, my testimony is that I'm just kind of an average person I fear God and I trust Jesus and I want to spend more time with him. And if that's you, I would say God has big plans for you. Primarily that he wants to use you to expand the kingdom of his son. He wants to use you to make other disciples. And so last week we ended with a couple of questions. How are you following Jesus How are you disciple making? And then how specifically are you involved in reproducing disciples here at First Baptist Church of Wixom? I would just mention to you that since last week, we've had a few extra requests for people that said, hey, I'd like to follow somebody in discipleship. I'm just not paired up with them yet. And I would just tell you, if you are ready to lead someone else in discipleship, I encourage you to see Johnny Martin after the service today or email him this week and let him know that you're ready to do that. He's probably got somebody he can match up with you right away. Today we're in Mark chapter 1 and we're going to be considering actually an account in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus healing and forgiving. The gospel of Mark is actually unique. There's a word that occurs 80 times in the New Testament And 40 of those 80, half of them, are in this short gospel of Mark. That Greek word is eutheos, which means quickly or straightway, or sometimes it's translated immediately or forthwith. It's the word from which we get the English word enthusiastic. Mark emphasizes that Jesus was active in helping people quickly. He enthusiastically helped people always in the way that they really needed help. Only Jesus knows this. He knows exactly what people need and his timing is always perfect. 
What's curious about our encounter today that we will look at in just a few minutes is that Jesus does both. He meets a physical need and he meets a spiritual need at the same time. It's not that physical needs are unimportant to Jesus. He just cares about healing in the best way possible. And today he sees a man who has an obvious physical need and a not so obvious spiritual need. And he heals both. He heals the soul. Let me give you a quick map update. You might have noticed there were new maps on the table in the back. Last week, we were watching Jesus calling some of his disciples, namely Simon and Andrew and James and John, who were fishing on the Sea of Galilee in the region of Bethsaida. Then he goes, Jesus goes to Capernaum just a little bit away. And it's in this moment, it's in Capernaum that we find Jesus in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today, but I want, to, I want you to see that Jesus is so active in meeting people's needs. Mark chapter 1, verse number 21. And they went, Jesus and his disciples went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, there's that word, eutheos, immediately, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And Anon, there's the word again, immediately, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately, there it is again, the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. And them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and them that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately... The leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed and he straightly charged him and immediately sent him away and saith unto him, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze about the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter 
And here's our passage for today. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And immediately, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, then they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, something surprising, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why doth this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Would you pray with me, Father? Help us as we come to your word to understand it as you intend for us. Help us to see Jesus in a whole new light. Help us to worship him as the great healer and the great forgiver. Thank you for this time we can come together. Lord, would you hide each of us behind the cross and magnify your son among us today? We pray in his name. Amen. You ever had a flat tire? Probably have before. When you have a flat tire, you know what the problem is, right? It's really obvious. There's a flat tire. You could tell whether it was fixed or not. If somebody says, I fixed your flat tire, you can tell whether they did or not. You know it is broken, and you can see when it is repaired. Have you ever had one of these, though? Have you ever had a check engine light on your dash? And you, you thought about putting a piece of black tape over it and pretending like it wasn't there. But then you decided, you know what I need to do? I need to go see a professional. And you took it to a professional, and you realized, I'm kind of at their mercy. You know, you get back in your car, and you, you say, well... Did they fix the problem? I don't know. The light turned off. Maybe they just unplugged it. Did they really fix it? Is the light going to come back on? Did they just erase the code? And more importantly, why did they charge me $700 to turn it off? You know? It's a little different when you've got an external problem that is obvious and an internal problem that is a little more tricky. It's hard to know. Has it been solved? And today when we see Jesus, Jesus can see the inside of this man just as clearly as he can see the outside of this man. And no doubt his friends bring him to Jesus because he's clearly sick. He has an external problem, but Jesus sees his heart. We can't do this. Are you with me? Have you ever tried to see inside somebody or make an assumption about what they were thinking? Usually, just like with a check engine light, when we try to do this, we get ourselves into trouble. We can't see what is going on in someone's mind. But I want to show you quickly this morning three big takeaways that I think we can learn from this passage. 
Takeaway number one, that Jesus responded to the faith of concerned friends. Jesus responded to the faith of concerned friends. It says in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, the group, the four and the man on the stretcher, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. Now, can you imagine this scene? Think about this for just a second. Can you imagine? This was crazy. I mean, you thought it was hard to get coffee between Sunday school and church back there. You know, it's a little nutty walking through the hallway. It's like shoulder to shoulder and you're running into people and it's just crazy. This was worse. This was completely packed and they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. It seemed impossible. So they go up on the roof and granted the roof construction was no doubt more primitive than our roofs today, but still... It's a pretty desperate move, right? To take some of the roof off. It might be similar to us maybe breaking a window or something like that. It's not devastating to the structure, but it definitely creates some commotion, some noise, some disruption to Jesus as he's preaching the word. And their actions demonstrate something very clearly to everybody who's watching. These guys were not casually hoping to get their friend to Jesus. They were intent on it. They were definitely focused on getting him to the Savior. And Jesus honored this commitment of faith. They believed Jesus was the answer for their friend. And can I just ask you that question? Do you think that's the the case with your friend? These guys believe Jesus was the answer for their friend. You see, it's super easy for us to think about other solutions. We think that perhaps our friends or our neighbors or our nation need psychiatric adjustment. Or maybe we think they need nutritional solution or a political solution or a social solution. Actually, what the world around us needs is Jesus. He is the answer. It's okay to bring some other things, but don't bring any other solution until you've brought the solution of the Savior, Jesus Christ. We are called, like these men, to bring our friends to Jesus. And what's important to note here is that Jesus honors the faith of the friends. You might say, well, this person, like the person I'm thinking of, the neighbor, the coworker, the family work, a family member, like they're, they're tough nuts to crack. Like, I don't know. Can Jesus save them? I mean, it would be an uphill battle. I just can't even hardly imagine Jesus saving that individual. And Jesus says, look, it's not up to you. It's up to me. And I honor your commitment. I honor your faith. But number two, Jesus' authority to forgive sins is immediately called into question. Now, if you're familiar with Jesus' teaching and his ministry, you know that throughout his ministry, he asserts his divinity in overt ways. Like Jesus clearly says, I and the Father are one at times. And then there are other times in his ministry where he implies it. And this is one of those ways that he implies his divinity. Notice what he says when he saw his faith, their faith. He said to the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Verse six. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts saying, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin? But God only immediately his authority is called into question. 
Jesus knew this man needed forgiveness more than anything else. I kind of imagine this guy's riding along. You know, his friends are carrying him in the stretcher. He's riding along looking at the, at the clouds, you know. We're taking you to Jesus. We're almost there. We're a mile away or whatever. And he's thinking, you know what? He might heal me, but you know what I really hope? I really hope he fixes my sin problem. I really hope that he forgives me. And when he comes into the house, this is all Jesus can see. That guy needs forgiven. Everybody else sees that guy needs healed. Jesus says he needs forgiven. It sort of reminds me of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. Do you remember that story? There's this blind guy on the side of the road. His name is Bartimaeus. And Jesus is walking by and there's this great big crowd. And Bartimaeus is yelling out, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. He's blind. So Jesus says, have him come up here. So here's Jesus and he's standing there face to face with a blind man. And he says to Bartimaeus, you know the question? What do you want me to do for you? Seems obvious, doesn't it? He's blind. And he's asking for mercy. And yet Jesus asks the question, what is your real need, Bartimaeus? Can you see it? Because I can see it absolutely clearly. Jesus can see the internal need. In John 2, verse 24 and 25, it says this, that Jesus is not commit himself because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. It, what John is saying is this, is Jesus did not need somebody to come up and say, hey, look, this person believes in you, Jesus. Jesus doesn't need that. Jesus knows what is going on in every individual heart. And Jesus knows that this man on the stretcher is hoping for more, more than physical healing. He's hoping for forgiveness, spiritual healing. So rather than meet that healing need immediately jesus forgives him we often see this throughout scripture and we sort of gloss over it because we're so prone to seeing physical needs i think about the woman at the well that we considered a couple of weeks ago she's thirsty she needs water jesus says what you really need is what living water you need a drink of the messiah Remember the people in John chapter 6 who Jesus has fed and they follow him and they say, make more what? Bread. We're hungry. We want more food. And Jesus says, what you really need is not food. You need the living bread from heaven. You need your spiritual needs met. We're so fixated on physical needs. Remember Stephen in Acts chapter 6? Remember the story of Stephen being stoned? Stephen's about to die. He's going to lose his life. And he says, I'd rather forgive than live. What is he saying? Forgiveness has eternal consequence. My life is temporary. I can clearly see it. It's not about me. It's about eternity. This is why Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verse 30 said, hey, if your right hand is causing you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Why? Because it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus says, look, your physical well-being is not what's important. It's your spiritual well-being. It's your spiritual health it's your need for forgiveness jesus could not only see the man's sick heart however 
He could see the thoughts of the religious leaders and they were not happy. They were not happy because they correctly understood that sin is a violation of our relationship with our creator God. And so if the sin is a violation between me and my creator God, then he is the only one that can forgive sin. And Jesus in forgiving sin implies his divinity. It would be sort of like me proclaiming that your mortgage is forgiven. I don't have the power to forgive your mortgage, right? Because you don't owe me. You owe somebody else. You owe the bank. Only the one to whom you are indebted can forgive that debt. That's why the religious leaders went nuts. The message of the religious leaders, remember, was this. Hey, clean up your life and maybe God will let you get close to him. Jesus' message was completely opposite of that. His message was, look, I'm ready to clean up your life so you can be close with God. You just got to let me do it. Let me forgive. This is the stark contrast between religion and Christianity. By the way, this is still one of the greatest fallacies among God-fearing people. They think they need to clean up their lives, then come to Christ. Jesus says, come to me, I'll forgive you, and I'll help you. I'll help you clean up your life. Number three, Jesus demonstrates his complete authority by healing and forgiving. He demonstrates his complete authority. He says that you might know that the Son of Man has this power. I say, take up your bed and go thy way into thy house. I want to demonstrate. I want to give you an object lesson. Anyone can say your sins are forgiven. Brad can say your mortgage is forgiven. Go in peace. That doesn't fix the problem, does it? Because I don't have that authority. But what if I say that and then I back it up with credentials? Like what if I say, hey, your mortgage is forgiven. And by the way, oh, I don't know if you know this. I pull out a business card and I say, I'm the new CEO at your bank. Right? Oh, there's a little authority. Or maybe I pull out a wad of $100 bills. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, maybe he does have the authority to forgive. This is what Jesus is doing. He says, look, you will believe me when I show you I have complete Authority. I know you guys can't see this man's heart. You can't perceive whether his sin is forgiven or not. You don't know. Maybe I just said that and nothing happened. So let me give you some hard and fast evidence that I have this kind of power. Only God can forgive on demand and only God can heal on demand. So watch this. I'm going to do both. You're healed. And he's healed and forgiven. It's important for us just for a moment to define what forgiveness is all about, because that is the point of this passage. It's not the healing of his body so much as it's the healing of his soul. What does Jesus mean when he says you are forgiven? This is super important. So please listen carefully to this definition. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a very specific agreement that says I choose not to remember a grievance from you. I choose not to bring it up against you in any way. So if the grievance is against God, we call that a sin. God can forgive that. Or the grievance might be against a fellow human. It may or not may or may not be sinful, but the grievance is against a fellow human. 
Here's what forgiveness says. I will not hold this grievance against you. This is super important. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 17. And their sins, here's what God says, their sins and their iniquities, well, I remember no more. Now, where remission of sin is, there is no more offering for sin. This is awesome. Listen to what the author of Hebrews is saying. When God forgives sin, there is no longer any need for the human to pay for it. He is omniscient. He can't forget, so to speak, but God chooses not to remember. He will not bring our sin up against us. It really happened. And yet he says, I agree to not bring your sin up against you ever. Isn't that awesome? First John. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. I lost some of you. Isn't that awesome? Amen. First John 1 9 says this. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How could God be just in forgiving me? How can he just say, I will not bring it up against you? He's holy. He's perfect. He's just. How can he just write it off? Because of Jesus. Jesus paid for that sin. The whole purpose that Jesus came and died on the cross was to die in my place, to die my substitutionary death. So he can completely forgive. I don't have to pay for that sin. Jesus paid for it. And by the way, the reality is, if Jesus hasn't paid for your sin, you do have to pay for it. It's you or Jesus. Somebody has to pay for your sin. And by the way, just as God forgives, I'm commanded to forgive. To agree to never bring the grievance up against that individual again. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven You, just like God forgave you, he said, you no longer have to pay for that sin. You need to forgive one another. This is what Paul says. We're to model our forgiveness after God. He forgives our sin because of Jesus. I can forgive you for hurting me because I'm forgiven. Remember the disciples heard Jesus talking about this and they said, okay, hold on a second, Lord. How often? Like, I mean, there's got to be a limit, right? Again, just keep forgiving. Jesus said, well, start with 490. The same grievance, the same person. Start with 490 and then let's talk a little bit more about it. You just keep forgiving. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. Here's a convicting passage. If you forgive men their trespasses against you, Your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses against you, neither will your father forgive your trespasses against him. If you want to be forgiven, you must be a forgiver. Forgiveness was Jesus' ultimate goal in this story. Because forgiveness is everyone's ultimate need. They just don't know it. And by the way, some of you here today probably fit into that category. You have this ultimate need, this need for forgiveness, and you think that maybe being around Christians or being around church or tipping your hat to God is going to help you feel better about your sin problem, but it doesn't solve it. 
You need forgiveness. You need that sin to be put away from God and from you that you never have to pay for it. So let's talk about quickly some conclusions. Number one, worship Jesus for his unique authority and power. Notice what these people did in verse number 12. It says they were all amazed and they glorified God. This is an appropriate response. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, for us, let's just imagine we're there watching Jesus and he forgives and we go, oh, wow, I wonder if he has the authority. And then all of a sudden he says, son, take up your bed and walk. And this guy that nobody could help all of his life long stands up and walks and the people are just blown away. This is how we're supposed to be in the presence of Jesus, by the way, just blown away. This morning we started the service singing about, I stand amazed in the presence. Do you? You stand amazed in his love and his sinlessness and his desire to forgive. This should be our response. But don't stop there. If you know Jesus, yes, you should worship him today, but there is more. You see, miracles make it clear that Jesus came to forgive sin. This is the message of Christianity and man's greatest need. It is that Jesus forgives sin. That brings us to conclusion number two. Are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about forgiveness. Yeah, see, on, on my wife's car, there's that check engine light thingy. And I figured out how to game the system. On Amazon, you can buy these little things for $19 that erase the code. You just, like every 10 days or so, you just got to plug it in and erase the code. Fixes it, sort of. It actually just hides it, Right? It just makes it go out of mind for a few minutes. This is exactly what religion does for God-fearing people. They know they're going to have to give an account for their sin. They know they're not living up to God's standard. And they say, man, this is really bothering me. So they plug in a little religion, erase the code, and be like, whew, okay. Well, I attended church, or I gave a little bit in the offering plate, or I helped a little old lady across the street, and I feel pretty good about myself. And a few days later... Sin is back. The little light clicks on the dashboard. Like the sacrifices of the Old Testament, this is what religion does. It just sort of pushes the sin problem out of the way. But Jesus dealt with the sin problem once and for all, all the way down to the core. It's completely solved. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 24, If you believe not that I am the Christ, you will die in your sins. You must believe. It's unforgiven sin that sends people to hell. But forgiveness is made possible through belief in Jesus' substitutionary death. Remember, we talked about what belief is. Belief is really two sides of one coin. It is repenting from sin and saying, I no longer want that. I want Jesus. And that it's trusting that Jesus is enough, that Jesus alone is enough for forgiveness for my sin. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, is no remission or no forgiveness of sin. This is why Jesus came and hung on the cross and shed his blood. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 9, a prophetic message about the gospel. It says, I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment. I got to 
bear the guilt of my sin until somebody pays for it, until the Messiah comes and takes care of this. This is what God did in Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The what? Forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Romans 3.25, God hath set Jesus forth to be a propitiation or a substitutionary payment through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of anyone who believes in Jesus. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you repented from your sin and trusted him alone for eternal life. By the way, this is the message of the church, the true church. This is the message. It's not a moral code. That's not what we're interested in. It's not a political ideology. Who cares? It's not social reform. It's not a set of rules to keep God happy. It is not a sense of purpose to make life more fulfilling. The church is not about love, peace, and happiness on our own merit. It is the message that God forgives sin through the payment made by his son, Jesus Christ. That is the message of the church. You and I simply must repent and trust Jesus alone. This must be the forefront of everything. That Jesus forgives sin in a moment if you but believe on him. It must be the forefront of of everything. Like we said last week, that is the top button issue of the church. All of the other buttons line up. If you get the top button correct, you have to get faith in Jesus Christ alone correct. And then lastly, who do you need to forgive? Uh oh. That makes it personal, doesn't it? Who do you need to forgive? Remember the definition of forgiveness. It's agreeing to never bring their grievance up against them again. Ever. Even if they do it again. Even if they don't deserve it. Even if they're irritating. Even if they're your spouse. To never bring it up against them again. Can I just remind you that if you refuse to do that, you not only embitter yourself, but Jesus said you lose the forgiveness of God. If you expect to be forgiven, you must learn to forgive. And when you do, you are never more like your Heavenly Father. He is the great forgiver. This morning, as we conclude our service, we're going to conclude with communion Can I just give you a brief explanation of communion and then I want to remind you how this connects to our message today, okay? So in our church, we celebrate what we call close communion. That means that we're not closed. You don't have to be a member of this church to participate in communion. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have done, as I said, if you've repented from your sin and you've trusted Jesus alone for forgiveness, you understand that no man comes to the Father but through him. If that is your testimony, we hope that you'll celebrate with us. But I want to remind you of something from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus himself gave me instructions about communion. And here's what he said. But let everybody who participates in communion examine himself, that he not participate 
unworthily. Can I just remind you of something, Christians? Sometimes we misunderstand that passage. Paul was not talking to unbelievers. He wasn't saying, hey, if you're an unbeliever and you accidentally take communion, you're more condemned. You can't be more condemned if you're an unbeliever. The whole passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 was about unity in the church. The whole message of examine yourself to make sure you are fit to take this meal was that you're right with others. Not just that you're forgiven, that's where it begins. But are you willing to forgive others? This celebration of unity, communion, koinonia, is not for people who are quite happy to sit in their division. This celebration of communion is for people who say this, look, I'm not perfect the lord knows but because my relationship with him is right i've taken that ephesians 4:32 passage and taken that same forgiveness i've received and i've passed it on to others i'm right with others as best i know i'm not harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart So I'm going to ask the deacons who are serving us today to come and the musicians who are helping us today to come and hold and if you would come help me serve. And as they come, I just want to remind you what we're doing today. First Corinthians 11 is a very, very clear description of what the church is to do on a regular basis by way of remembering Jesus Until he comes. Thank you guys. You can have a seat. Remembering Jesus until he comes. How do we do it? We take a piece of bread that's been broken and we say this represents Jesus body. And because I'm in Christ and because I've received that forgiveness together with the rest of the church, I take of that bread representing my faith in Christ. And the juice represents the spilt blood of Jesus sacrificed freely on the cross And I freely and voluntarily with the rest of the church say, this is my testimony that the blood of Jesus has covered me. I'm forgiven because I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I am united with the rest of the body. His forgiveness flowing through me onto other people. This is what Paul told us that we were to do regularly until Jesus returns in remembrance of what he did for us on the cross. So I'm going to have the men stand. If you would please stand with me. And we're going to have a word of prayer. And then we're going to pass the plate. And again, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, and to the best of your knowledge, you're right with others, we hope you'll participate with us today. If not, if you don't qualify, that is okay. We're so glad you're here. Just pass the plate on. It's okay. We're not taking names or judging. We want to do this correctly in the best way to honor Jesus Christ. So let's start with a word of prayer, and then we'll pass the plate. Brother Mark, would you ask the Lord to bless? Father God, um,
Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. And we remember the promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. So we share in this bread of life and we drink of His sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of peace around the table of the King. The body of our Savior Jesus Christ torn for you. Eat and remember the wounds that heal the death that brings us life. Pay the price to make us one. So we share in this bread of life and we drink of His sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of love around the table of the King. First Corinthians 11, Paul harkens back to the account in Luke 22, and he talks about Jesus, and he said, when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, take, eat, this represents my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Have the men stand again, if you would, please. Brother Mike, would you please thank the Lord for his shed blood this morning? Jesus, Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for saving us. that cleanses every stain of sin shed for you. Drink and remember 
he drained us cup that all may enter in to receive the life of God. So we share in this bread of life and we drink of his sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of grace around the table of the King. And so with thankfulness and faith we rise to respond and to remember our call to follow in the steps of Christ as His body here on earth. As we share in His suffering we proclaim Christ will come again and will join in the feast of heaven around the table of the King. Apostle Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 25, where he says, After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. I want to say before we close today that this message from Mark chapter 2 about forgiveness is necessary for everyone. Everyone needs to hear the message of forgiveness and to pass that forgiveness on to others. But there may be some here today who say, you know what, I I hear it, I understand it, I think I get it, but I've never really embraced it personally. I, I wouldn't describe my relationship with God as personally intact right now. I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ alone. And I mentioned to you 
that is the message of the church. But, but can I just tell you quickly before we go today, if, if you've not done that, if you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, this is the day for it. And not tomorrow, not a week from now, not a month from now. It's today. And we invite you to see one of the pastors, see one of the men sitting up front. We would love to just take you to Scripture and show you what it means to put your faith in Jesus Christ. What it means to be forgiven. We don't want you to leave today without that invitation. Jeremy, bring your group up and let's close with a song if you've got something ready for us. And uh, we'll conclude today. Thank you. Let's stand together as we close. Singing about his amazing love. How deep. important thing our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good when it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners. That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. 
Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.